2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast, recording an emergency podcast. We had to get this one done. I actually had to rush home, turn my car around. Actually, I was parked already. I was at an event, and I said, you know what? I need to record an emergency podcast because the New York Giants have hired Brian Dable as head coach. I'm looking at Nick right now. You guys aren't because it's a podcast. And this man just shaved his entire beard. He had one of the best beards in the game. decided to shave it. He not only looks like 8 to 10 years younger, he just looks like a completely different human being because he still has the long hair. So you probably know him from the profile picture, which I've told him to update his Twitter profile picture. For some odd reason, he hasn't updated that despite me countless times telling him it makes no sense because you look nothing like this. And this was years ago. But now he kind of looks like that, but not really because he has this long hair in a ponytail. He kind of looks like Fabio at this point. That's kind of what I see right now. Or not even just Fabio. You know the dude from uh, Sopranos who was uh, effing with Carmela. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You kind of look a little bit of him. You, you you, want to remind me, you know, I was just watching a great scene where they're on the golf course and Tony get, tries to give the doctor who's working on Junior a golf club. And Fabio's like, or what's his name? Not Fabio. It's Furio. What? Furio. Furio's like, golf is a stupid sport or like something like that. And he pushes him into the water. But anyway, it's Nick, shaved beard Nick. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Are you as excited as I am about Brian Dayball being the new head coach of the football Giants?
1: I am. I really am, Dan. And everybody, I I think this is a step in the right direction. Okay, We're starting to have that foundation built. We have Joe Shane in place. That's going to be the guy who's going to make all the decisions. Now he needs to surround the New York Giants with the right cast. First pick is your head football coach. Now we need to see how all these other dominoes fall. Who is the OC going to be who's the quarterback coach how's this staff going to fill out obviously the defensive coordinator so there's still a lot to suss through but in terms of my immediate reaction Dan I'm pleased man this team has just been abysmal offensively and I sort of watch a real pain in the rear end to witness and guess what right now it's not like that hopefully it's a step in the right direction it's not a sure thing I don't think there was a perfect candidate here but this was my number one candidate and I am pleased that he is the New York Giants head coach
2: yeah, I'm very excited about this. I'll start on the macro level of why I'm excited, uh, independent of Brian Dayball. Why I'm excited, independent of Brian Dayball, is for the first time, and I think somebody said it took Moses 40 years to part the see This is Danny. <laughs> Danny, uh, let me, I don't want to get his name wrong. We follow him on Twitter, and I apologize. Danny Heifetz, I knew it was Heifetz, just wanted to make sure, said it took Moses 40 years to wander the desert. It also took the Giants 40 years to hire an outside GM. So the first thing I'm excited about is they did make the decision to reevaluate their own internal process and hire an outside GM. The other thing I'm excited about is they didn't make that GM inherit a head coach that he didn't choose that. He's not on the same page of, they allowed him to make his own head coaching decision. So that's the first step in the right direction. But more importantly, why I'm excited about Brian Dable is not just because he was quote unquote, the best option in this coaching cycle. I think he can be a really good option overall. Yes, he doesn't have the head coach experience, but what he does have is a combination of things that excite me. The first and most important being, I think he is a really, really good offensive mind. I know he had trouble in the past with bad quarterbacks on bad offenses. I'm not worried about that. I think that he's had the experience to learn from that. And I think that what I've seen, With the Bills is a really good play calling mix. Like, remember, this is a coordinator and I have tweets that show it. If you look back at my Twitter, I was excited about him last year when he won assistant coach of the year. Just talking about that Bills offense and just watching some of his mixes. I remember he came out in one game and threw the ball 20 straight times because that's what the defense was giving him. And that was his best chance to move the ball. He wasn't like, I got to run it eight times for balance. No, no, no. There is no, I got to do this for balance. There is no, I got to establish the run. There is no, I'm going to run the ball on second and 10 to get us in a better third and manageable situation. This guy understands based on his passing concepts, his route combinations that we'll go over later this week. Because tonight, again, we're excited. I'm excited, obviously. You can tell by my voice. But later this week, me and Nick plan to do a deep dive into the X's, O's, schematics, things of that nature. But just briefly speaking on it, the route combinations that he has in his offense – put stress on safety something me and Nick talked about for months now for years really going back to Jason Garrett's hiring we need to see more route combinations that put the safeties in conflict and that's something you see with Brian Dable I'm also excited because I really like what I've seen from him from a play calling mix standpoint and a schematic standpoint in the red zone the Giants have really struggled in the red zone this is an area he really he can really help improve them so red zone offense overall play calling mix route combinations and of course Development of quarterback. Now, how much of that is Ken Dorsey, who might come over as offensive coordinator as the Giants? We're waiting to hear the news. He's going to either be the coordinator for the Bills or the coordinator for the Giants. Time will tell there. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But that combination makes me really excited for them from a developmental standpoint for quarterbacks. Because guess what? Josh Allen had all the talent in the world from a raw standpoint. But when he entered that Bills team, he was a mess, both lower body and upper body mechanics, especially upper body mechanics. And there's no telling that he was some kind of amazing mental processor because it certainly didn't look like that. If you watched his Wyoming tape and based on what Brian Dable has developed for him, or I'm sorry, created for him and the mix of plays that he calls for him. Well, now he's developed into a quarterback that looks like he can read defense. Now he's developed into a quarterback. Who's decisive gets rid of the ball on time. That can happen quick. We saw it even in year one, Pat Shermer's offense looked a lot better for Daniel Jones than Jason's Garrett's did. So all of the offensive points I'm excited about, Nick. But one more thing that I'm excited about that I want to get your take on is just what you hear about what the players say about Brian Dayball. They all love to play for him, and that's an important piece of this too. That's a huge part of
1: this. I've heard Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Josh Allen, some offensive linemen. They just love playing for this guy. And that's obviously a huge factor in one reason why Joe Shane wanted to go out and pursue him. But you touched a lot on some of the X's and O's. And I put a clip up on Twitter And you mentioned putting safeties in conflict. It's not just safeties he's put in conflict. He puts cornerbacks in conflict as well. This one play I put up, yes, it's against the Texans. And yes, it's actually Justin Reed, who's technically a safety. But he moves in motion over Dawson Knox. And on this specific play, it's at the one-yard line. Josh Allen is in shotgun with Devin Singletary offset to his right. There are, like, Three or four contingencies in place for this play to put Justin Reed in the conflict and just the defense in the conflict overall. Go so check it out on my Twitter. Essentially, it's an RPO where Josh Allen goes into the mesh point with Devin Singletary. That's the first read. He reads the end man on the line of scrimmage. End man on the line of scrimmage squeezes, so he's not going to hand the football off. Then to the backside, you have Cole Beasley running a bubble with Stefan Diggs stalk blocking. Josh Allen doesn't even look that way because he already confirmed that it's man coverage from the pre-snap motion of Dawson Knox. So he stays to the front side of the play and he talks the ball. He acts like he's going to run into the end zone. That draws the other player up, the only other player there to cover Dawson Knox, onto Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen just throws the ball to Dawson Knox. Basically, Brian Dayball's scheme in that play and the way he had so many different outcomes based on Josh Allen's decision, that put the defense into a situation where that one player whatever decision he made, he was going to be wrong. If that player decided to go with Dawson Knox, Josh Allen would have had a rushing touchdown. He did not. He stepped up to Josh Allen. So Josh Allen had a passing touchdown to Dawson Knox. Little things like that are things that we have been dying to see in Jason Garrett's offense. And that is a pretty simplistic thing in terms of the modern offense that we see it's not overly complex and yes Josh Allen is able to execute those concepts but I believe Daniel Jones fully healthy can execute something like that as well so I'm very excited about little things like that and specifically red zone efficiency in terms of scoring touchdowns Dan because the Giants have been just tragically bad over the past several seasons and the Bills have not
2: Yeah, you're right, Nick. And that's one of the if the Giants had a much better red zone offense and even or even just a considerably better one, like inside that top 15, top 16 range, they would be a, a much better team over these last two seasons. So things like that can go a long way. Improving the red zone offense from a play calling standpoint can go a long way. Simplifying things and making them easier for Daniel Jones, adjusting to what he does well, rather than trying to make a system and have your quarterback learn it like Jason Garrett did how many times did we say last season oh we wish we can and two past two seasons oh we wish he would use a little bit more RPO Daniel Jones did such a good job with it under Shermer and they used it so much at Duke it's one of the like the few concepts we feel comfortable with him on to be completely honest and it just didn't happen that's something that was a big part of the play calling mix in Buffalo he likes uh, RPO stuff. He likes play action, which we love play action as well. Daniel Jones has some good numbers on play action. He likes spread. I mean, he he did it 71% of the time, I think, with Buffalo, the sixth most in the NFL. And he, like you mentioned on the last podcast, Nick, ten personnel featuring four receivers. He did that a bunch, too. Third most in the NFL this year. And I love that. I really do. I You know me. I'm a big believer in the spread because I believe not only will it help your passing game and your explosive play potential and ultimately, obviously, your scoring potential, but I have to usually Think it helps Barkley. It helps the run game. It helps a bad offensive line from a run blocking standpoint. There's less guys in the box and there's one fewer guy. You know, you you get more one on one situations for the running back. And this is a one on one type running back in his prime. If you can return to full health, this is a guy you want to have to make one man miss and go. So I think ultimately he's a perfect fit almost for the skill set of Daniel Jones and what they have on this offense moving forward, which is. A shaky offensive line that could improve this offseason. Obviously, they're going to try. But remember, guys, there's only one good offensive lineman right now. Expecting them to just miracle their way into four more, that's not likely. We're hoping this O-line can get to, like, in the 18 to 20 range. That would be, like, in my mind, a realistic, almost a best-case goal for the 2022 season, like 18 to 20 range. We're obviously not going to have a top-10 line out of nowhere next year. But I don't ultimately think that matters all that much. I don't feel like the Bills have had any kind of elite offensive line during Dable's time there. It's been solid and maybe a little bit better than 18 to 20. But a lot of what he does, in my mind, is impressive independent of the pass production. And that's what I want to see from any offensive of I'm really excited about that. There's actually something, a quote I got from the Robert Mays article. Did you get a chance to read the Robert Mays athletic article about Dayball?
1: I have not read that one yet.
2: Okay. So it's a great deep dive. I suggest any of our listeners read it. It's from Robert Mays. It was actually a year ago when he was in the mix for, for, um, you know, when he won assistant coach of the year, and one player who was interviewed and quoted in that was Derek Anderson, the former quarterback who had to come to Buffalo in 2018 because Josh Allen was hurt for a little while. And what he said was, much to his surprise, and I guess this is surprising for Anderson or any NFL player, Nick, because of so many coaches are just so old school. And so, you know, my way or the highway, you got to adjust to what I'm putting out there that they're just not receptive to things like this. But what he said is, much to my surprise, based on coaches I had been with in the past, Dayball was receptive to literally every suggestion I've made. He kind of just let me talk through talk to the guys and kind of put my case on the table, Anderson said, and everybody agreed. Whereas I think what had had it happened earlier in his career, he might've not been as open to the idea. It was like, Hey, can you, can we just do this kind of build off this package that was successful for me previously? Anderson said he kind of want to do his own thing. Like, Hey, that's how, that's not how I see us going. I, I might've mixed those quotes up. He was talking about Mangini in the second quote. So Mangini was like, that's not how I see it. That's not how I see it going. Dayball was like, Sure. And he was open to the ideas. So this is something I've heard a lot of Nick. One thing that I think is important that I've pretty much seen countless times when reading about Dayball is that he's a big time adjuster. He's willing to be open to different ideas, things that work for certain players, and he makes adjustments after the quarter, after the half that can make a big impact. For the game, and you could see it watching the Bills play. There have been times I've watched the Bills, and they came out flat in the first half offensively, only to rebound and put together something in the second half that was impressive to, to anyone. Put up points and impressive anybody watching from an X and O standpoint. So that's another thing I really like about Dayball.
1: As do I. As do I. And I, I appreciate Dayball's offense just in general. Yes, he had Josh Allen, and I think that has to be weighed in because Brian Dayball has been in other places prior to his stop at Alabama, where he won a national championship, where it didn't necessarily work out. But he was a younger coach then. Now we've seen consistent years strung together of solid offensive production. And he also groomed a young quarterback into being a top three quarterback in the league, one of these generational type of quarterbacks. And I remember that 2018 draft. Josh Allen was a laughingstock. Everyone was like, wow, the Bills took Josh Allen. And I thought that I thought the pick was ridiculous, too, because if you watched him at Wyoming, it was not there, dude. It was so obvious that this guy needed so much work. And Brian Dayball and his staff were able to get the most out of him. Credit to Josh Allen for being coachable, but still, man, that is so great of that coaching staff and of Brian Dayball. And you can look at any of these young quarterbacks coming into this draft and they could potentially kind of go down that road. You can look at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones can go down that road. We've seen a a development track record with Brian Dayball to give us something that we can get excited about. That's another great thing about this hire right here. Players like him, the system seems to work, and he has that track record, as we we said a little bit earlier. So I'm very excited about that, man. I'm excited about this spread type of, more spread type of offense with some air raid elements. You're going to get mesh. You're going to get stick, which I know a lot of Giant fans don't like, but when it's used correctly, it's a great way to pick up six yards. You're going to get just vertical type of concepts that are both the outside wide receivers run comebacks. The two inside wide receivers in an empty formation run about 10 yards up the field and then flare their routes outward, but it's not necessarily a corner route. It's just to kind of split the safeties. And then you're going to have the number three Actually, split the safeties. And if you're going up against a middle of the field open type of defense, which we see a lot in the modern NFL, these cover twos, these cover four, you can throw a pattern match element into that. That number three wide receiver in that situation is more than likely going to be open unless you're going up against a Fred Warner or a middle linebacker who can carry the three that well. So the fact that you're going to have such a priority on attacking vertically. That is something I love because we thought that was going to happen with Jason Garrett. We talked about it so much, Dan. Oh, man, you know, we're going to have a more vertical-based system. That wasn't the case. It just wasn't the case. Now, how much of that was Jason Garrett? How much of that was Daniel Jones and the offensive line? You know, that can be debated. But still, I think Brian Dayball is going to implement the concepts that we wanted to see for the last two or three seasons. And here's an ad read. I hope you guys enjoy. What's going on everyone? Football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets, TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: no long-term commitments or contracts that stamps.com code program.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you don't know for a fact how much of that, how hamstring Garrett was by his offensive line and quarterback. We'll never know. I bet if any of us had a chance to speak with Garrett, he'd have his own side of the story as to what went down. But having said that you could just see it on the film. Like you watch Bill's film, you watch Garrett, you watch uh Giants film, with Garrett. It's a different product. It's a different, you know, Set of route combinations, different play calling mix. And so I think there is some value in saying that it's going to be an improved scheme from an X's and O's standpoint. But what has me most excited is not that because I kind of, I mean, like, yes, I think this skill set, I mean, I'm sorry, this specific style offense, Nick, will work to Daniel Jones' skill set. He's a vertical passer, and he could do well with RPL. Like These are things they're going to do for him. I think he's also better when they go empty. I've said that for years. Daniel Jones, some of my favorite Daniel Jones snaps on film are when they go empty, and that's similar to the spread, similar to the 10 personnel that we've seen Dave all like use. But all of that can be hamstrung by, like you said, offensive line player, quarterback. But one thing you can't hamstrung is the development of these players. And we know, Nick, we've said it countless times. We're standing by it for the rest of the time as we do this podcast. Nothing is more important than the quarterback position. There's nothing that leads to wins and losses more. And it's not even close in the NFL. And one thing that's super important is we feel confident right now. I feel confident right now, especially if they can bring in Ken Dorsey. And that's supposed to be, you know, it depends on what's going to happen. I'll say this about the Dorsey thing. Right now, he's either going to be the Bills offensive coordinator or the Giants offensive coordinator. Jordan Schultz is reporting that Dayball is going to bring him with him. I think I saw Bobby Thompson reported it as well. There's nothing concrete on that. But one thing that was mentioned earlier this week by Joe Shane, when he, hi- when he was hired uh, to be the giant GM is that they're going to get, they they've proven, they're going to give me all of the resources I need. Now that could also mean resources when it comes to hiring coaches, coaching staffs are expensive, especially if you want to get the best offensive line coach, the best coordinator, fill a staff with a ton of guys, and one thing I've always said is, despite the fact that John Mara is hated by this fan base for by so many, I've never been in that camp. Has he made mistakes? Yes. I don't think he's the best owner in the league by any means. The Josh Brown situation was despicable and repulsive, and he deserves to be you know shunned shun for that. And obviously, he made a big mistake with Gettleman, and he hung on with Gettleman for too long. That's partially because you know he had a personal connection to Gettleman. And he really did believe that there was some progress last season. He was going to cut the plug otherwise, but all of that aside, he's never been willing not to spend. He takes on dead cap hits all the time. He fires coaches two years into knowing he has to pay the rest of this contract. It's guaranteed. And so I think when Shane says that talking about the resources that could put the giants potentially in play to outbid the bills for Ken Dorsey's services as offensive coordinator. And that's important because if you bring in Dorsey and Dayball, it gives me more confidence about the development. I don't know who played what role in developing Josh Allen, whether that be Dorsey or Dayball. But what you said, Nick, is right. It's spot on. It wasn't just you. The entire draft community, except for a few, were down on Josh Allen, myself included. I never thought it could work. His tape was unbelievably bad at the college level. And before Allen, there was not a single quarterback who had come to the NFL with a sub 60% completion rate that actually worked out and wasn't a bust. Add to that, he was playing at Wyoming. And there were so yeah. many bad habits of his on film. The footwork was unbelievably bad on film, like unreal bad when you watch his Wyoming film. Couldn't complete a pass in
1: uh, the flat kind of stuff. The like it was, couple, Yes,
2: that was, it was where it
1: was bad. crazy. You nailed it you alluded to this last podcast, what the story of Josh Allen kind of taught us is that just because you haven't seen it before, doesn't mean it can't happen. And I think Pat Mahomes is another instance of this too, because Pat Mahomes was playing you know, backyard football all the time. And people are like, yeah, you can't do that in the NFL, but you can, you know, Andy Reed allows him to coach that way. It's a little bit unconventional, but guess what? It maximizes Patrick Mahomes. So I think that's something that we've learned from Pat Mahomes and from Josh Allen, to be honest, is, you know, you might not have seen it yet in the NFL. That does not mean it can't happen. Sometimes you take risks and they work out. Both those organizations are quite happy with the risks that they took.
2: Yeah, you're damn right. And the the work that they did with Josh Allen, I don't know. Again, I don't know who deserves the credit for that. I'm hoping it's Dayball. If it's a combo deal with Dayball and Dorsey and we get Dorsey even better. Because to develop a quarterback from where he was, where Josh Allen was at in year one to where he's at now, and you even mentioned this in the last podcast, Nick, he wasn't even good in year one. Like in 2018 as a rookie, what did he complete? 57% of his passes. It took time. They worked their asses off. And obviously, obviously, Josh Allen deserves credit as well. But as we know, we have a quarterback right now who works just as hard. From everything we've heard, Daniel Jones is a really hard worker. But maybe he just hasn't had the right people crafting his skill set as a quarterback. And that's the point I want to get to next. We could go over his resume. Dave is an extensive resume. I think everyone who's listening to the podcast has probably already heard it. We heard Steve Tisch say something that I thought was really interesting. He came to us and it was obvious. Brian spent his career preparing for this moment. He's creative, thoughtful, determined. And I believe all those things. He is creative, thoughtful, determined. And he's been working his ass off for this moment, but I do want to get to this, Nick, because a big drop. I thought from Dan Orlovsky. Now, again, Everybody hears things these time of year, right? Like they like have to take everything with a grain of salt. Obviously two days ago, Pat Leonard said it was imminent that, that Brian Dayball was going to be the Miami Dolphins next head coach. He heard that from one of his sources, like, you know, like someone told him that was going to happen. And we've had plenty of reports go the wrong way. But according to Dan Orlovsky, Nick, somebody told him earlier this week that Brian Dayball quote unquote, loves Daniel Jones. So that brings me to my next point. Can Brian Dayball fix Daniel Jones? That's the big question right there. Can he fix Daniel
1: Jones? He did a real number with Josh Allen, and I will say this, and I think a lot of people who follow the Giants follow us have heard us say this before, and that's Daniel Jones doesn't have the physical capabilities of Josh Allen. Josh Allen was rare, and that was one thing that we liked about him coming out of the draft. It's like, yeah, he has a rocket arm. He's uber-athletic. He's gigantic. He can run. He can do all these things, but he can't complete a pass for two yards in the flat. But that was all corrected. Now, do I think Brian Dayball can possibly fix Daniel Jones? Yes, I think that's well within the realm or well within the range of outcomes. I do. I think that's definitely something that could happen. I'm not necessarily so certain that it will. I think it has to, I think significant progress has to be shown next year because I'm not sure if the Giants will pick up their fifth-year option. And that will tell us a lot about what they feel about Daniel Jones. And I don't know if Joe Shane wants to move forward with somebody that he did not draft. They may want to find their new guy and kind of reset the quarterback cap. That's another, I think, aspect of this. They probably don't want to allocate a big portion of their cap while they're trying to rebuild the foundation of their team and and get a bunch of young players in here because I think I tweeted this out recently, Dan. Once 2024 arrives... Other than the draft class that we just saw, including Quincy Rocher, the only player under contract is Kenny Galladay. It's not like the Giants have a lot of long-term contracts they have to worry about. So they're going to be bringing in a lot of personnel, drafting a lot of players, finding the free agents that they want to implement into their system. And I'm not so certain if Daniel Jones is going to be a part of that. Now, would I be shocked if he is? Absolutely not. But what would you say about this? Do you think Brian Dayball can quote-unquote fix Daniel Jones?
2: So I'll answer this two ways, because I think the two questions here, Nick, are one, can he fix Daniel Jones, quote unquote, obviously, this is assuming he needs to be fixed. And I think it's fair to say that if you're outside the Giants bubble, everyone agrees he need currently what he's putting on the field, maybe not fixed is the perfect term, but it needs to be greatly improved. Now, that's one side of it. The other side of it is, is this true? Is this a real report or is this something that's just being floated out there? Because like you said, it makes sense to me that a new GM might want to get his hands on a new quarterback. The same could be true for Brian Dable. Also, why and how does Brian Dable, quote unquote love Daniel Jones? He's been working with the Bills for years. I don't understand when he's seen Daniel Jones outside of maybe like caught him on TV randomly or something like that. Or maybe it goes back to when he scouted him. That could be the case as well. Uh, when he was, you know, when they were looking at quarterbacks, but then again, he's with the bills and they already got their quarterback in 2019 by that point in Josh Allen. So I don't really think that makes much sense either. So I don't really know where this is coming from and when Brian Dable has had the time to quote unquote, love Daniel Jones. But part of this puzzle is also a report. I think it was from Jordan Schultz that said, um, the Bills are making a concerted effort to, to retain Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator. Here's the issue. I'm told the, the negotiations with the Giants revolve around a quote-unquote big payday and the strong push of Brian Dayball, who believes Dorsey is the guy to elevate Daniel Jones. So that's the second report that's kind of saying Dayball and and, and uh, Dorsey want to elevate Daniel Jones. Now, as far as can he do it, here's what I think, Nick. I think that if Dayball gets here with Dorsey they have an offseason to work with Jones, They have an offseason to put in a system that much better fits Jones. It's going to use more RPO. It's going to be more vertically oriented. It's going to simplify things for Jones. He's going to improve greatly. The question is, how long will it last? Because I saw Daniel Jones on film during the Shermer season, and a lot of what he was successful with, teams decided to take away. And once they decided to take it away, as they got more film on him, he didn't have any other options. So will it be a repeat? Is all This is what I'm concerned with, Nick. Will it be a repeat situation where Daniel Jones looks really good for a little while in a new offense where teams aren't expecting to see some things from Jones that they hadn't seen in the past, but ultimately it can be figured out. Ultimately, it can be adjusted to. And then Daniel Jones, the biggest thing with Jones has always not been, you know, can he— follow plays on time when they're expected, when the coach does a good job of designing them and there's openings that were expected. It's always about when sh- when quote unquote, sorry for my, excuse my language, Nick, a naughty word with bad odor, the fan, can he adjust? Can he do it quickly? Can he do it less robotically? Can he move his eyes faster <laughs> after the snap? All of those things. Can he navigate a pocket? Can he reset the pocket? Those things can be improved, especially the pocket stuff. I think can be improved with good coaching. But the post snap stuff, the processing stuff, that's my biggest concern with Jones, even if it starts to look good early on. But I do think we're going to see a much better version of Jones with Dayball. And I think it will actually be the best version we've ever seen of Jones, including that 2019 season, his rookie year, which goes down as the most misremembered season. Yes, he piled on the 24 touchdowns, but he also finished, I just saw this today, 29th in yards per attempt. That's horrifically bad. And yards per attempt is one of the stickiest metrics as far as quarterback play goes. So he wasn't actually that good. I think they're going to have a much better version of him with Dayball. The big question will be, is that a version you want to commit long-term money to?
1: He was a rookie then, so I'm not going to hold that against him. And he also has to mitigate the turnovers as well. He's been playing in a much more conservative system that didn't necessarily attack vertically, but a reason for that was because Jason Garrett, and he said this, Uh, in some sort of interview was his main concern was to limit those turnovers. You said Daniel Jones, when crap hits the fan, that's when he kind of struggles. Well, Josh Allen is a little bit different when he has to extemporize and kind of do his own thing. That's when it's really unique. The kind of plays that he pulls out of his rear end so that, that's another somewhat concern Because so you see some of the throws and some of the touchdowns that Josh Allen did this season Daniel Jones doesn't have that capability man that's not a slight on Daniel Jones there are very few people in this league who has that capability Justin Herbert has that capability Patrick Mahomes has that capability Matt Stafford may have that capability but that's probably about it maybe Kyler Murray too. Russell Wilson he's, he's debatable as well so Those are levels of concern that that I have about, I guess, the Dayball-Jones marriage. But it's not something that I'm overly concerned about because I do believe Dayball is a smart enough offensive mind to form an offense to accentuate, as Joe Shane said, the skill set of Daniel Jones. We just need Daniel Jones to take that. It sounds like the same thing we said last year, man. But I kind of have to give him somewhat of a pass because of just the way the season kind of played out and it was Jason Garrett's system. But we do have to see Daniel Jones have progress when it is off script. And when he does have to extemporize him, he has to slow his feet down. He has to control his eyes. He can't get all wide eyed and all scared. He has to play more poised and a little bit more calm.
2: Yeah, you nailed it, Nick. The biggest issue for me with the idea of this is that Daniel Jones has struggled greatly when forced to create outside of structure. That's been a big issue for Jones. Jones was taught really, really well by Cutcliffe as far as upper body mechanics go. When he can set, and we can throw from a clean base, uh, from a balanced base, from a clean, not even necessarily just a clean pocket, even if the pocket is bearing down on him, because I've seen him make some really good throws when he's poised and about to get hit, but he's still throwing from that balanced base and with his shoulders set, moving, you know, in the direction of the throw. But when he's on the move, and like you said, he has to take a slow it down a little bit. He has to prove that he has the arm talent to make some of these throws on the run, on the move from an off balanced base. That's the key. And that's something Josh Allen does better than maybe any quarterback in the NFL, except for maybe Mahomes. Some would argue Allen does it best. And what that can do and what Allen has done in some of those spots, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Nick, is simply make his coach look better than he actually is. Because when Allen makes those plays outside of structure, that's not how the play was designed to be. That's just Josh Allen doing a really good thing on his own, independent of the structure of the play. And so that's still something that Jones needs to prove to all of us. It's year four. I'm not positive that is part of his game and can ever be a part of his game, which is why I kind of think, like, again, he can look better. He's going to look like the best version of himself in the system when the system's going well and when it's in structure and when the timing is right. But it's not going to always be like that. And so hopefully that's something that Dorsey and Dayball can coach. Like, I'm not sure if one way or another, if that is possible, Nick, you could probably – Tell me if it is or not, or if you don't know, that's fine too. But it's definitely something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I
1: think development can happen. And I think new offensive systems and maybe a better rapport with your wide receivers in terms of their confidence in the systems and what they're asked to do and how they're coached by their wide receivers coach. Yes, maybe they could find space a little bit better than previous, than wide receivers in previous systems. But I wanted to just point to like what you said earlier, how Josh Allen kind of makes the coaches around him look better. That's not a slight. On Brian Dayball, like take take the the touchdown pass, the second touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis, a seventy-five yard touchdown pass. That was an excellent call by Brian Dayball against that defense, that middle of the field open defense too high. You isolated that field safety right, so you had a Mills concept with the deep post over the top from Gabriel Davis, and then the the bender. It wasn't really a dig; it was more of a bender from Dawson Knox. Now. That play right there is more designed for Dawson Knox, who was wide open on that play. But Josh Allen has about, you know, a millisecond. A millisecond to know, okay, I'm going to throw this post because that hesitate, that's just slight hesitation from that deep half safety is enough for my arm talent to throw... Gabriel Davis open and hit him in stride. That's exactly what he does. But that's an insane throw by Josh Allen that not a lot of players can make. Just an absolutely incredible throw. But still, the design is amazing because it didn't matter what that safety did. If you had a lesser quarterback, that bender is open. And that's going to be like a 35-yard gain to that bender who was wide open. If you go back and watch that play, go to the Big Blue View YouTube channel. I put it up there. I might even share it on the Big Blue Banter one as well. So that just goes to show you that like, Josh or Brian Dayball made an excellent call there, but Josh Allen made the call even look better because of his just rare talent. Now imagine if the Giants can find a quarterback like that, somebody who has that kind of cannon. They don't grow on trees. They're hard to find. But when you have someone like that coming through the draft, and even if they're not polished yet, I think the Giants can realistically consider that individual and it might be a little bit of a project, but if the Giants do get Ken Dorsey and they have Brian Dayball, then they have the track record of developing said individual.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I am excited. Like, I don't want us to seem like we're ruling it out. I think Daniel Jones can definitely get better with Brian Dayball. I, mm-hmm. like, I, like, you know, I said it and I'm standing by it. I think we'll see the best version of Jones, which is exciting, because if we want to start winning games, that's the, that's the path. Like, there is no other path than Daniel Jones playing better than what he's played. That's it. That's the path. The other stuff they're going to improve around them, it's going to do what it can do. But you need the quarterback to play a lot better than he has to win games. And I think it'll come with some turnovers. Like you said, like Jason Garrett coached a lot of turnovers on him. We might see the return of a, of a very turnover heavy Jones, but I'll take it, Nick, if it means better red zone success, more explosive passing plays, more vertical shots that work out and put seven on the board. I'll take the turnovers personally, because that's, there's no way to win without, without putting points on the, without putting touchdowns on the board, as they now points. Um, And so we'll see what happens there, Nick, very exciting stuff. I'm excited. I'm hoping Dorsey comes with him. Anything else on on uh, on Dayball before? I have a couple other things I want to turn to. I want to turn to some bills-free agents of note that might now be of interest to the Giants with both Shane and Dayball here, and potentially Dorsey. Um, and then I also want to turn to some questions we had from Twitter that I said we'll get to uh, before we close out the show. And again, remember, everyone tuning in, please, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you download. Deep dive on Dayball coming later this week, so a lot of good stuff coming. But yeah, Nick, anything else before we touch on those things?
1: I just think it's funny, man, how cyclical the NFL is, not just from a schematic standpoint, but also like Ken Dorsey. Like I remember Ken Dorsey when he was the quarterback at the University of Miami and he won the national championship with that Miami team that was just ridiculously stupid back in 2001. And now he was the quarterback coach of the Bills for, I think, since 2019. I don't think he was there in 2018. (laughs) and i just think it's just funny man now we're talking about him as the oc say if he comes and becomes the offensive coordinator of the giants and the giants turn this ship around guess who's going to be a head coaching candidate in two or three years it would be dorsey and guess if dorsey doesn't take the giants job and he's the offensive coordinator for the bills he gets to work with josh allen guess who's going to be a head coaching candidate in a few years with the talent of josh allen probably going to be Dorsey. and i just like go back to like me being like nine years old or whatever nine, 10 years old watching this dude uh, play for the University of Miami. It's just, I don't know. I just find it funny.
2: Yeah. And then and there's rumors that it's, there's so many interesting, like, you know, one thing, remove things. There's rumors that Joe judge wanted Dayball as his offensive coordinator when he was hired as the giants. So like when he was hired to the head coach of the giants, so they're like, and they're good friends. And like now Joe judge is fired and Dayball's the head coach. So it's just like a lot of interesting things there. And a lot of connections, obviously as well, still a lot of balls to drop here. We want, we need to see what's going to happen at offensive coordinator as well as defensive coordinator. But there, some of those are baked into the questions we have from the listeners. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave those off for now. I will mention this. There are three Buffalo Bills for agents that are now intriguing to me because, again, Shane, Dayball, maybe Dorsey. That's a big contingent coming over. They're going to know if these guys are worth signing. And one of them is Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I know he's not going to be a popular name to hear for Giants fans. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky can be this unbelievable elite quarterback, but I think he can be a massive upgrade at QB2 and to the quarterback room In general. And I think that if you can sign someone like Trubisky, you put yourself in a better position than you have the past two seasons. He's still young. He still could be developing. He also could have gained and could have and could have improved on a lot of things that he needed to improve on just in one year with Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey. Now, if he comes over to the Giants and they sign him, that's two years with Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey. And that's a cheap, you know, somewhat talented to some degree. And young quarterback prospect you can bring over. So I'm intrigued by the idea of Mitchell Trubisky this offseason. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Think about it from Trubisky's standpoint Daniel Jones has been injured. Three seasons out of three seasons. If you want your shot to kind of prove yourself as, yeah, I was a bust. I didn't work out in Chicago, but I can still play and I can stick around in the NFL for the next you know, five to 10 years as a backup who can you know, spot start adequately, then why not come into a team that has an injury prone quarterback and a quarterback who isn't necessarily proven anyways, or you could just sit behind Josh Allen and the only chance you're ever going to have to see the field is injury and you have absolutely no shot of him getting benched because
2: he's Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm intrigued with Trubisky. There's other names in the quarterback position I'm going to be looking into, though, as well. Like, I got my eye on Marcus Mariota. I think he could be interesting fit with Dayball. There's a lot of names I'm looking at at quarterback that I think the Giants should explore. I hope they finally take QB2 seriously this offseason. Well, time will tell. They obviously don't have much cap space. But another free agent from the Bills I'm intrigued by is Isaiah McKenzie. Because, yes, the Giants have somewhat of a similar player in Gadaris Tony, but I don't think you can ever have too many of these types of players, these explosive play potential type of guys like McKenzie. And I read an article a few weeks ago about McKenzie and specifically with Dayball. How much he loves Dayball. Dayball kind of pulled him back into the mix. McDermott gave him a benching after week 10 when he had a fumble. And then Dayball came up with this really good game plan for him against the Patriots in the playoffs. It worked. McKenzie made some big plays. And he kind of talked about how much he loves Dayball because Dayball kind of believed in him when he when he was being counted out and when, it fe- when he felt at his lowest with the Bills. And so there's a connection there between Isaiah McKenzie and Dayball. In my mind, the Giants could always be using that kind of help at the wide receiver position, especially explosive play guys like him, special team guys like him. So I got my eye on Isaiah McKenzie too. I would
1: like that too, as well. I mean, I don't know if the giants are going to be able to make it fit. I feel like they love Isaiah McKenzie up there in uh, Buffalo. I I love how people are like, Brian Dayball, welcome to New York. And it's like, not really. He was in New York and (laughs) now welcome to New Jersey. Welcome to New Jersey, baby. I've always liked Isaiah McKenzie as as one of those bit kind of role players. I would agree that he has a similar type of skill set to Kadarius Toney, but I would also agree that the Giants need wide receivers right now. And we know Joe Shane and really anybody involved in the NFL puts a lot of priority on people they trust, players that they know their work habits. So why not go with somebody that you coached for Brian Dayball in Buffalo, somebody that you know in uh, Isaiah McKenzie? So I think that's another one that makes sense. I think it would all come down to price, though.
2: You nailed it on this one, and I think you're right. How about one other guy I thought that would be interesting? Uh, Ryan Bates. He's an offensive tackle for the Bills, and somebody who I think could come over and potentially work as a swing tackle for the Giants. Cheap. Not going to cost them a lot of money. You know, I don't
1: have any Ryan Bates film on on my mind right now. I haven't watched Ryan Bates, so I can't weigh into his skill set. but we know that a lot of teams do this. They bring in veteran guys that they know. So from that standpoint, it makes sense, but I can't really give any kind of analysis on how he plays and and what he's capable of doing. That's fair.
2: Somebody we'll look into as we move forward. All right, Nick, let's take a look at some questions we've got from the listeners uh, on this podcast, answer them obviously as best as we can. We'll start with, Joe J money eight, six, five, five says, why did so many giant supporters try to pretend Dayball wasn't going to be the coach and push that he wanted the dolphins more.
1: I think you kind of touched on this a little bit ago. I think they just had sources that suggested that he was going to the dolphins and then they were wrong. Uh, I don't know if there's anything, you know, I don't want to say nefarious or anything misleading about their reports. I don't necessarily think it was that. I think they ju- just got their sources wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of this is just like agents giving these guys leads on things to kind of drive up the price and make it a bidding war and maybe make the giants have to offer a little bit more for somebody like brian dable i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility but obviously i think he was more joe is more joking around here because obviously pat leonard didn't do a great job on this one Uh, so we'll, we'll let it slide though all right ny giants life says Obviously, you don't have to do a deep dive yet on the specifics. I know you're planning to eventually this week. But what aspects of Dable's scheme excite you the most? And what do you think provides the greatest benefit to Daniel Jones?
1: Yeah. So we kind of went over this a little bit. The aspects that really excite me the most is how they're going to be in the red zone. I think that's a huge part of it. It's something we've complained about ad nauseum with Jason Garrett. I mean, you look at the red zone touchdown percentage for the Buffalo Bills. It was first this past year. It was 12th the year before 18th in 2019 and 16th in 2018. So even when Josh Allen wasn't all that great, they were still mid league. I mean, in 2018, the Giants were 28th in 2019. They were 17th. In 2020, they were second to last. In 2021, they were dead last. So is going from one of the best teams in terms of executing in the red zone, in part because of his scheme, to the worst team in terms of executing in the red zone. That's really important to me, as is between the 20s too, because I want a team that's going to create explosive plays on offense. because That's how you win football games in the modern NFL. And Dayball has, has a track record of attacking vertically, putting safeties in conflict, as Dan said, and having multiple routes go vertical with spread type of concepts. And he's not afraid to go into 10 personnel. He's not afraid to incorporate some air raid type of concepts into his offense. And he's also not scared to change up his rushing attack, which I alluded to last podcast in terms of they were heavy power gap, not majority, but they were like 17% power gap. And I dropped it all the way down to like 10%, 9% in these recent years, according to Deontay Lee's article from PFF, because they were much more, efficient running the football at a you know outside zone and then inside zone and they also incorporated zone read off of that with Josh Allen's athletic ability something I believe Daniel Jones will be able to do and whoever they replace Daniel Jones with I hope is an athlete who can also execute those concepts because it puts defenders into a bind and also eliminates a defender uh, and you don't have to use a blocker to execute on that defender so he's unblocked so you can allocate that blocker somewhere else so all of those elements are are things that I'm looking forward to in Brian Dayball's system.
2: Yeah, me too. I think mean, Nick nailed this one really well, but He really does fit Daniel Jones' skill set. And by that, I mean what Daniel Jones does best. RPO is going to be a part of the game. Daniel Jones does that well. Has in the past. Vertically oriented attacking style from a passing game standpoint, Daniel Jones does that best as well. So it's a good fit for Jones if Jones is going to be the guy. As we know, hearing John Mara, they really want to give Jones a chance this year to succeed and to prove to them that he can be their long-term fixture. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Go, Dan.
1: And does John Merrill's voice get deeper every time he talks? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I just feel like every time he has a press conference, his voice just gets deeper and deeper and he looks more and more like his old man.
2: Maybe it's just the years of the years of the, the pain, the recent pain is getting to him. Who knows? But I, that's Probably. an interesting thing. I'll take, I'll, 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 I'll look out for that, Nick. And I'll let you know if I notice anything interesting there or nefarious, as you would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rational Giants fan asked Dan where do we go if Dorsey does decide to stay in Buffalo concern for me is that Dorsey might have been a big part of the Bills improved passing game and you cannot have another Jason Garrett Mike Shula Mike Sullivan situation a first-time head coach who's calling the plays needs a good offensive coordinator under him
1: yeah I'm not really 100% certain on where they would go with this uh second option here Ken Dorsey is the obvious first option I don't really have a name of somebody who's available. You would have to look at a lot of the connections between Brian Dayball and a lot of quarterback coaches around the league. It's probably not going to be any offensive coordinators around the league. who are going to make some kind of lateral movement. A lot what Patrick Graham did with Joe judge when he left Brian Flores, that was more of a unique situation. So I'm not really a hundred percent certain if I have anybody who comes to my mind.
2: Yeah, I'll say the same thing. Um, I don't have anyone who comes to my mind either. I'm kind of going to let the process play out if Dayball doesn't come, but like, I don't mind, I'm sorry, if Dorsey doesn't come, I don't mind Dayball calling the plays. I know it's not, we've talked in the past, I don't love when a head coach is calling either side of the ball, but I love his play calling mix so much, and I love his situational play calling so much from what I've seen personally in Buffalo, that I'm fine with it. Like, I would be totally fine with him calling the plays, or obviously the perfect situation is if he works with Ken Dorsey, um, and they can figure out a, a system that works for them both the best. All right, let's go to the next one. David Goodman asks, do you favor them keeping Patrick Graham as DC or would you favor them hiring Wink Martindale or Vic Fangio?
1: I love myself some PG, but if, The Giants could get their hands on Vic Fangio. I think that would be just insanely hard to say no to. And even Wink Martindale. Look, Wink Martindale, his defenses were always great up until this season when they were just absolutely decimated by injuries. But if you're not decimated by injuries, if you don't lose your top three or four cornerbacks and literally have like street free agents starting for you, then that defense is incredibly effective as long as you have the personnel up front. But he loves to bring the pressure. He's going to bring the pressure. He's going to play man coverage on the back end. And I, I appreciate all of those aspects of Wink Martindale's defense. I wouldn't want to say goodbye to Patrick ram because I do have a lot of respect for Patrick ram but, but I'm I'm not going to complain if Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants. Nor would I if Vic Fangio is, and if it's Vic Fangio, I mean that's just to me that's a win because then you get a, somebody who was a head coach on the staff with somebody who's a new head coach, which I also think is valuable. And I know people use that reasoning with Jason Garrett and, and Joe Judge, but Jason Garrett isn't Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in the last you know decade.
2: Yeah, you know, it's a really good question because those are three really good names that intrigue me so much like Wink's going to bring that aggressive man heavy approach that I like Vic Fangio to me last year. I mean, I don't know what happened this year didn't want to do a deep dive into why that defense regressed this year for Denver, especially after adding talent. But Two years ago, I mean, he was still, like, top three.
1: They regressed because within, like, a two-week span, Alex Johnson and the kid from Iowa, Josie Jewell, like, both got hurt. And their linebackers were just terrible after that. And teams could just run the football right down their throat.
2: And that makes a lot of sense because you look at two years ago, 2020 season, and he was still, like, doing the things that matter for a coordinator at an elite level. And by the things that matter, I mean – third down defense where they were top three and red zone defense where they were top three. So Fangio, I think still is, and I still give him a ton of credit for that, for that heart, for the Harbaugh 49ers. It's part of the reason I didn't like Harbaugh. He had Greg Roman and Vic Fangio. And so I'm very intrigued by someone with such a good track record like his to start. And I also am intrigued by Wink Martindale, as I mentioned, but then again, you have Patrick Graham who has already proven to us on paper that one, the players love playing for him. Two, he knows the players already. Like he can maximize their skill sets because he doesn't have to learn them and what they do well. And in that case, they don't have to learn a whole new system either, which is going to obviously be helpful for them as well. Great point. There is value to all of them. I think it's a can't-go-wrong situation. Gun to my head, Nick, if I have to pick anyone, I think it would be Fangio. Same here. That, that would be
1: my pick, and I hate to say that, and that's no slight on Patrick Graham. I love Patrick Graham. But Vic Fangio, man, he's a – I mean, Patrick Graham's a difference maker, though, too, man. Like, that's why yeah. – it, I think you put it very well, bro. It, it's, a, it's a win-win situation.
2: And I had Graham won for a while. Just Fangio, just thinking more about it, he's such – he's done so well with so many different defenses. Um, and specifically, like I said, really good in the red zone, really good on third downs. That's what I care about. All right, let's see what else we have here. Dan on the run says, do you think they will able to be clean up Daniel Jones's footwork and fundamentals like they did for Josh Allen in year two? How much would this help him set the floor or help set the floor on Jones to properly evaluate him?
1: I don't really believe that Daniel Jones's footwork is an issue. That's not my biggest problem with Daniel Jones whatsoever. Now, I don't know the extent of Kind of similar, like Eli Manning's footwork wasn't an issue in Kevin Gilbride's system, but once he transitioned to a West Coast system, that footwork had to change. And ben McAdoo did a good job changing said footwork. That's not—I don't think—that's going to have to be the case in Brian Dayball's system with Daniel Jones. It's going to be a lot more spread-type of concepts. You know, maybe a little bit more air raid, as we mentioned. Obviously, it's not going to be anything like the Arizona Cardinals or, or anything like that. But to me, Daniel Jones's footwork isn't really the issue. It's more of that pre-to-post snap processing, and as we said earlier. When things are not going as planned, how can he work out of structure? Those are my biggest problems with Daniel Jones. It's one of the reasons why he turns the football over a lot. All of those reasons. It's not because his footwork is really an issue.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I think with Jones, the issues I have with him, I don't think his footwork's amazing by any means. But I do think it's less of an issue than... I guess I would say some of the other things that bother me, especially the post damp processing creating out of structure things that you've broken down well, Nick, and we've obviously harped on for a long time here. So there's no doubt about it. But with that said, I think there are things that can be cleaned up. I think when he is drift, I think he still tends to drift left when he's uh, looking to throw left and try to like kind of drift into the throw. That's something he needs to be cleaned up. I still think there's too many cases of him burping the baby as they call it, which is him just patting the ball down. And it messes with the timing of the throw at times. We saw it against the Bucks on that two-point conversion play two years ago. We've seen it plenty of times. And so that, in my mind, is also separate from the processing stuff that needs to be improved on. And I think that these guys can do it, Dayball and Dorsey. I think they'll be the best options he's had. I know Garrett was, in the past, viewed as a really good coach for developing quarterbacks, but he was so dead set on coaching the turnovers out of Jones and having him you know, learn his rigid, full-read system that I think that it kind of got away from the the basics that you need to, you know, instill as a coach. And I think that these guys have really done a good job of that. And Josh Allen is proof. Again, like even Josh Allen, in my mind, had way more issues coming in than Daniel Jones that needed to be cleaned up. That doesn't mean I think that they were the same prospects or level or anywhere close. Josh Allen is obviously a lot more rawly has a lot more talent than Daniel Jones, but he had a lot more to clean up. Right. And so they did that quick with him. So I, I am confident that a lot of this stuff can be cleaned up for Jones. But like you said, the next step for him is always going to be, how is he going to see the field post snap? Can he speed up his eyes? Can he stop being so robotic with his reads? Can he, can he reset the pocket better and manipulate the pocket better? And can he create plays out of structure? These are all things Daniel Jones has done really bad on film. They're not dependent on the supporting cast and they're all things that need to be better. If they, if he wants to be a successful quarterback,
1: Yes, and I do believe you're right in terms of how he kind of drifts away from the pocket, rolls to his right, a little bit fades away. Now, those were also products, I think, possibly of the fact he was trying to extend the play and didn't trust anybody on his offensive line, specific, specifically in 2020 and then in, other than Kevin Zeitler. And then this year he trusted, hopefully, Andrew Thomas, because he was really, really good for Daniel Jones. But those are issues in the pocket that he has to develop. And what I was referencing is... When he's throwing the football, his feet are usually aligned with his eyes, usually aligned with his shoulders, usually aligned with the target.
2: Yeah, correct. All right. Thank you to everyone who dropped us questions. Again, we will be doing a deep dive into Brian Dayball later this week. X's and O's scheme stuff that you guys love that we love to get into. But just wanted to say once again, thank you. A big shout out to everyone who's listening and you know everyone who wanted this emergency podcast. I know some of you were like, give us the pod, give us the pod. You're going to listen to this on Friday night. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. And I have one favor to ask of all of you, even those who have already left a rating and review on iTunes. If you don't mind and you do appreciate what we do and you enjoy what we do, can you please, even if you've already left a rating and review, rewrite your rating, rewrite your review. We had a couple negative reviews go up. I guess I'm a polarizing figure. Some people don't like it. I get it. But I can't let those people drown this out. I want the positive reviews to be at the top of the iTunes. I don't give a crap what they say. Personally, I don't I think they're nothing more than trolls. Uh, So I'm just going to start by saying that. But getting that negativity out of the system, let's just start by saying this. We love what we do here. We love you guys that follow us. We know that the, the people who like us way outnumber the haters. So just help us. Prove that to iTunes. <laughs> I prove that and anyone's anyone stumbling upon our podcast by drowning out the, those those bad reviews with some five-star reviews. And if you get a question in there, I promise I will read it on the podcast. That is a guarantee. I know in the past, I've been a little wissy-washy. I've missed some of those promises, but never again, never again. All right, have a great rest of your night or morning, depending on when you're listening to this. You'll hear from us soon. Good day for the Giants. It feels good. It feels positive. Things are turning around. It's all ended like this. For the class, Go Giant.